You are listening to the protagonist of the erotic. Produced by Extra Extra. Each episode is dedicated as an act of love to the libidinal ouvreur of a living person. Desired object or location that can be visited in the present day. We discover what it means to define and shape sensuality, framed within the dynamic context of modern urban life. star, activist, Afrofuturist, Android. Janelle Monet is one of the most iconic pop stars of her generation. Her music is utterly addictive, full of infectious beats, bass-heavy funk, and that unmistakable voice, delicate and breathy, yet full of raw power. The high-concept songstress composes thematic albums, narrated by alter-ego Cindy Mayweather, a robot who dares to desire human love. Scholar Dan Hassler Forrest is unapologetically obsessed, counting himself as a fandroid, the name given to Monet devotees. Beginning with her chart-topping single, Make Me Feel, Dan lovingly extols Monet's life and vision emphasising her ability to challenge this status quo through an ecstatic celebration of sex. In her sensual sci-fi world, queer cyborg romance flourishes, pink vagina pants blossom, and radical refusal gives way to orgasmic release. Following Audre Lorde's seminal essay, The Erotic as Power, and Jose Esteban Minot's visionary text, Cruising Utopia, Dan reveals how pleasure can be a force of liberation, a libidinous energy rising up to a four-chord climax.
as long as I can remember, I've listened to music every day. But over those years, there are only a handful of albums that I can listen to any day, no matter how often I've heard them before. Music that can go on repeat because of the way it makes me feel. Among that small handful, Janelle Monae's 2018 album Dirty Computer is the only one that isn't also a nostalgic favorite. A 21st century instant classic that's as polished as Michael Jackson's Thriller, as adventurous as Kate Bush's Hounds of Love, as funky as Prince's Love Sexy, as groovy as Aretha Franklin's Young, Gifted, and Black, and as sensuous as Marvin Gaye's Midnight Love. In short, it's a masterpiece that sees this rising star coming into her own as Monet embraces the power of the erotic in her creative production. The most explicitly erotic track on the album begins with a throbbing, sensuous synth groove accompanied by alternating tongue clicks and finger snaps. A quiet vocal yeah is echoed by a brief synth burst. Then, Monet's vocals start the song with a suggestive tease, baby, don't make me spill it out for you. That's right, dear listener. We are once again listening to Make Me Feel, the lead single from the Dirty Computer album, and probably my favorite track of all time. Like Prince's similarly catchy Kiss, it has an irresistible rhythm that drives a lyrical ode to eroticism. This song and its video thereby announced the artist's departure from the ambitious concept albums that had established a reputation as one of the most exciting musical pioneers of Afrofuturism, and as an artist who draws on the power of the erotic to combine queer and anti-racist activism with creative innovation. The track's powerfully seductive lyric starts by gesturing towards the chasm that lies between the cold world of reason and the indescribable universe of emotion. The opening verse perfectly expresses the impossibility of capturing deeply felt physical desire in words. All of the feelings that I've got for you can't be explained, but I can try for you. But after summarizing her own fluidity as an emotional sexual bender, Monet quickly gives up the attempt, as the chorus simply repeats, that's just the way you make me feel. Qualifying them only with a modifier, so good, so good, so fucking real. Of course, it is this very fucking realness that is at stake here. Our inability, or at least our unwillingness, to see mind and body not as neatly separable components, but rather as fundamental to who we are. It's a tension that is tremendously recognizable to a white male academic like myself. Conditioned as we are to focus entirely on the analytical, I too have found it awkward and uncomfortable to engage with the irrational world of emotion that ultimately guides us in every decision we make. In her music, Janelle Monet manages to communicate these unspeakable but profoundly universal ideas through the physicality of music, rhythm, and dance. Acknowledging, accepting, and embracing the primacy of desire is therefore felt more palpably in the musical hook that powers the track than it is in the lyric. Co-authored by Monet's one-time mentor Prince, the track has an irresistibly laid-back funk groove that plays like a heartbeat over the song. And like our own hearts, this groove is clearly in constant danger of exploding. 
The greatest music always explores the boundary between organized and predictable rhythms and harmonies on the one hand, and the intuitive deviations that bring us to life. In Make Me Feel, those explosive moments of musical pandemonium are accompanied by delirious shrieks and squeals as Monet yells out, Good God, I can't help it. The track's organization thus walks a thin tightrope between the main groove's tightly organized seductive power and the fear of the chaos that could be unleashed by giving into it completely. Damn. DJ Rashida came backstage uh, at a show I had done in L.A., and I was opening up for an artist named Raphael Sadiq, and she gives me this phone backstage. I'm freaking out because I had just come off stage, and I had a sinus infection, and I didn't think I did a great job. And she was knocking on my door, and she was like, hey, I have someone on the phone for you. I'm like, what? Who are you? And she gives me this cell phone, and I just hear this voice say, hello, Janelle. And I'm like, hello, hi, hello, this is Prince. <laughs> Who? Prince. What? And she's like nodding like, yeah, it's him. Like it's really it's him. him. You don't like, believe talk, it, talk, right? Talk. And I was like, wow, it's such you know an honor to hear your voice. He was like... Likewise, <laughs> I really, really love what you're doing in the music industry, and I hate I did not come to your show. I got the times mixed up. And I was like, you were going to come. I was just freaking out of yeah. the thought Aww. of him. First of all, he was going to come see that show, and I was happy he didn't because I did not think I did it. <laughs> that was the um, universe working for you yes, right there. Despite what people were saying you know, about the show, I was like, no. And so um, he just invited me over to Paisley Park. He was like, would you like to come to Paisley Park? Would you like to come to a jam session? And I was like, a jam session? He was like, yeah, you know, when people get together and jam. <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> yes, I would love that. He was like, all right, see you then. Click. <laughs> That's and, it. and it was the greatest call of my life. Wow. You know, since then, we have had an, a relationship where he um, allowed us to open up for him in Madison Square Garden Jeez. at the Forum. Um, in fact, I gave him my first full-length album, The Ark Android, on a CD. I burnt it at Paisley Park and uh, wrote out all the, the songs. And, you know, he was on my last album. I mean, I just have so I have to thank him. I always try to speak his name and honor him as much as I can because I don't think, uh, you know, without his groundwork and the groundwork that he laid with Paisley Park, I don't think I would or, or Wonderland Records or Wonderland Art Society, my collective, I don't think we would know how far we could take it. The song thereby announces Janelle Monet's full embrace of the erotic as an instrument of liberation, or, more pointedly, as what Audre Lorde so memorably described as that creative energy empowered, the knowledge and use of which we are now reclaiming in our language, our history, our dancing, our loving, our work, our lives. And by imbuing this creative energy in music designed to make us feel, Monet's pop songs are great examples of how this reclamation can pull us into its sphere without the least bit of effort. The release of Dirty Computer also marked the moment where the famously gender-fluid artist publicly embraced her own pansexuality and came out publicly as non-binary. I'm non-binary. Yeah. So I just don't see myself as a woman or solely or, right. you know, I feel all of my energy. I feel like God is so much bigger than... Man the or he woman. or the she. she. And if I am from God, mm -hmm. I am everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am everything. Wow. But I will always, always stand with women. Yeah. I will always stand with black women. Mm -hmm. But I just see everything that beyond, I am yeah. oh, beyond, beautiful. beyond the binary. 
I've had a lot of positive feedback. Um, it also was like one of the most searched words I hear on, on Webster on, on the dictionary online. Yeah, I think it, I think it's great. I mean, you know, I'm proud to be a young African-American uh, queer woman, uh, bisexual, pansexual woman and pansexuality uh, can mean something different to those who identify with it. For me, um, it's not about your gender. It's not about you being a woman or a man. It's about your spirit. It's about your heart. And that's what I see first. I see your character first. And those are things that will last longer than looks than any of the, the, the physical um, uh, appearance. Uh, and yeah, that's just, that's how I, I identify. And I, I feel, felt like it was important to speak those words because there are a lot of, um, of, of people young and old who are, having a tough time, you know, dealing with their sexual identity and uh, the suicide rates and the amount of drug abuse that goes into like mental health around um, uh, those, you know, feeling like they can't be themselves uh, is something that we just, we have to, uh, we have to pay attention to. And we've been taught so much hate uh, to have so much hate um, for people who only want to love. And I I choose to love and Mm. I choose to love freely. Where she had previously avoided direct engagements with the sensual, both in her own public life and in her world building. Her new music videos showed a woman as comfortable with her sexuality as she was with her cerebral world building. This repositioning gained its power from her explicit queerness as something that is essential to any understanding of the erotic as a force of personal and political liberation. It represents a radical rejection of patriarchal oppression by embracing a fully intersectional understanding of social power. Beyond individual sexual orientation, queerness is, in the first place, about the desire to liberate, consummate, and enjoy everything that matters. More pleasure, more fun, more justice, more sex, more love, more dignity, more life. What I wanted to talk about today was the erotic as a source of that power and how urgent it is that we recognize that within ourselves and that we not confuse the pornographic with the erotic. The name of this is uses of the erotic, the erotic is power. Now there are many kinds of power, both the ones we use and the ones we do not yet use, acknowledged and otherwise. The erotic is a resource within each one of us that lies in a very deeply female and spiritual plane. It is firmly rooted in the power of all our unexpressed and unrecognized feelings. In order to perpetrate itself, every oppression in our history must corrupt or distort those various sources of power within the culture of the oppressed, as for instance, within our culture as women, that can provide energy for change. Now, for women, this has meant the suppression of the erotic as a considered source of our power and information within our lives. We have been taught to suspect this resource It has been vilified, abused, and devalued within Western society. On one hand, the superficially erotic has been encouraged as a sign of our inferiority. On the other hand, women have been made to suffer and to feel contemptible and suspect by virtue of its existence. So actually, it's a very short step from there to the very false belief that it is only by the suppression of the erotic within our lives and our consciousness that women can be truly strong. But that kind of strength is illusory. It is not real. 
because it is fashioned within the context of a male model of power. The transformative potential is expressed most powerfully in the track Crazy Classic Life. Directly following the album's ethereal prelude, this raucous anthem is a joyous celebration of queerness that instantly kicks the album into high gear. Seeing it performed live as the opening number of Janelle's Dirty Computer stage show is one of the most memorable concert experiences I've ever witnessed. Standing amidst an ecstatic cluster of fellow fans in the intimate space of the Amsterdam Paradiso, the song's exuberant energy reduced me to tears before the show had even properly begun. It's hard to describe how moving it is to be part of that crowd, many of whom came wrapped in rainbow flags, all harmoniously joining the chorus's repeated line, I want a crazy, classic life. A statement that yells out a shared desire to break the rules and live the fullest, richest, and freest life possible. It's a statement that illustrates with crystal clarity how queerness harbors an irreducibly utopian core. As the great queer of color theorist José Esteban Muñoz explained in his magnificent book Cruising Utopia, the world that we inhabit is governed by what he calls straight time, an experience of temporality that is defined by the most boringly unimaginative forces of whiteness, masculinity, and heterosexuality. For those of us who can easily adapt to straight time, there is no direct threat. But for those of us who are marked as deviant, our very existence is perpetually at risk, as the movie Monet produced as an extension of the dirty computer story world so clearly illustrates. In the film's near-future dystopia, a fascist government cracks down on every person who deviates from its rigid norms. Existing as they do outside of straight time's confines, those marked as dirty computers undergo a cleaning process that locates and deletes their most crucial personal memories. They started calling us computers. People began vanishing, and the cleaning began. You were dirty if you looked different. You were dirty if you refused to live the way they dictated. You were dirty if you showed any form of opposition at all. And if you were dirty, it was only a matter of time. This provides a basic structure for the emotion picture that allows individual music videos to be incorporated into a frame narrative where each represents a particular memory, dream, or vision, while also acknowledging how those categories all constantly bleed into each other. The memories, which are played back to us in the form of music videos, each capture a utopian moment of erotic connection between those marked as deviant. By embracing queerness as a force that is as personal as it is political, marks these moments as a brief but potent release from straight time's seemingly universal power. These memories, dreams, and visions thereby open up a pathway to an infinitely better reality defined by what Munoz calls ecstatic time. For where straight time is a framework that rigidly regulates and compartmentalizes who we are and what we are supposed to feel, ecstatic time releases us from its rigid binary hierarchies 
opening up a state of radical freedom that feels downright dizzying. It's the kind of experience we associate with brief moments of release, at parties, festivals, or during vacations, that share several traits with the carnivalesque. But where the carnivalesque is a concept derived from a recurring ritual of structural reversal, where the fool, for instance, gets to be a king for a day, ecstatic time represents a much more radical transformation of deeply ingrained social, political, and sexual hierarchies. Indeed, one might say that the most crucial objective of queerness is to embrace and expand ecstatic time to the point that straight time's hegemony is severely weakened, even to the point where it can ultimately be overturned. This is, again, what makes queerness a political project above all else. It is a form of resistance to a hierarchical system of social power that's grounded in straight white masculinity. Therefore, by connecting her use of the erotic to the utopian horizon of a radically queer ecstatic time, Janelle Monet mobilizes a powerful critique of normative power that is as infectious as it is open-ended. This utopian potential is most powerfully illustrated by Pink, the album's most popular song, its most visually striking music video, and its most explicitly erotic moment. Like Make Me Feel, Pink combines a repeating synthesizer riff with the organic rhythm of recorded finger snaps, weaving them into a sensuous and inviting musical groove. Like a more relaxed and laid-back version of Make Me Feel, the elegantly simple musical opening evokes a mellow heartbeat that may pound a bit harder in the expansive chorus, but which is more about the languid undercurrent of deep mutual attraction than the explosive unpredictability of sexual discovery. Its lyric, too, combines copious sexual innuendo with a frank dissection of gender roles and sexual desire. Lines like, pink, like the tongue that goes down, maybe, are more than merely suggestive. They exude the comfort of a safety that exists naturally among those who have come to share a form of intimacy that is as much physical as it is spiritual. The song's profoundly utopian sense of connection gives a sense of what kind of reality may lie beyond the gender binary. Most crucially, its central motif of pink as a feminine sense of the erotic liberates us all by simply relieving us of masculinity's tyrannical dictatorship. Instead, the song offers the erotic as a new feminine universal that brings everyone together on truly equal terms. As Monet sings, deep inside, we're all just pink. Rather than merely reversing the hierarchical relationship between masculinity and femininity, pink presents all gender expressions as grounded in desire and identity rather than anatomy. That is ultimately what makes it the truth you can't hide. Once we understand the erotic as a force of liberation, transformation, and connection, we are provided with an escape hatch that takes us out of straight time. This is equally evident in the video, which is set in a secluded enclave that is obviously governed by ecstatic time. In the context of the video's pink-toned queer black utopia, where we see a diverse community of black women dancing, exercising, hanging by the pool, 
and gaily frolicking amidst the sand dunes. Monet dances alongside a group of other black women in Dutch fashion designer Duran Lunting's iconic vagina pants. Crucially, some of the women dance as members of this group without those pants, thereby subtly but undeniably supporting trans rights by acknowledging visually that not all women have vaginas. This liberating playfulness translates to all aspects of the video, which includes a long series of playful visual metaphors for sex organs and sexual acts. These provocative visual inserts all strengthen the track's expression of the erotic as a tool for black feminist empowerment. I want to kind of go back to the original Janelle Monet or Cindy Mayweather aesthetic with the tuxedo suit. But before we go back in time, I want to ask specifically about the pants in pink. Yeah. Can we talk about them? <laughs> the infamous pink pants. Well, they are locked away in a safe. Okay. They didn't go on tour with you? Oh, yes. Yeah, they were on tour with me. But they're not right, right now. They're very protected. <laughs> two two very strong women okay. <laughs> guard them nightly. Yeah, it's 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 real. <laughs> um, the the pink. I'm just going to say it. The pink pussy pants. <laughs> Where did this idea originate from? This aesthetic. Well, we were when we were putting together. Um, like visuals for uh, each song, we wanted to make sure that one, the story was cohesive. You know, it takes place in this place called the House of the New Dawn where they're abducting dirty computers and they're cleansing them. They're stripping away their identity and making them um, torches who then would serve as personal nurses for the new dirty computers who are gonna be getting their identity stripped away. And so you go into the mind of Jane 57821, played by me, and you go into my memories as they're deleting my memories. And each visual, each video is a memory um, or a dream. And you can see Jane 57821 fighting, you know, as they're trying to strip her identity away, she's fighting back. Um, during that moment. Not a, not a lot of people know that, so I just gave you oh, exclusive. Some, some, <laughs> some tea. Um, but pink, specifically, is a celebration. Uh, it comes during the celebration part of the album. The striking absence of men at the Pink Hotel's remote desert outpost opens up the track in its video sequence to a consideration of the erotic as something that flourishes outside of the presence of the male gaze. Safely secluded within the hotel's women-only retreat, Monet's character consummates her love for Tessa Thompson as the two women face each other across a voluptuous sea of black women's gyrating bottoms. But where such a display of women's bodies could otherwise so easily slide into straight-time semi-pornographic titillation, Pink instead embraces the queer eroticism that marks ecstatic time as an irreducibly political concept. The strength in this genuinely queer alterity is grounded in liberation from oppression, thereby bringing all those who have been marked as deviants to flourish in collective bliss. This makes Pink one of the most inspiring expressions of liberating queerness in the work of an artist who continues to harness the power of the erotic in his endlessly fluid forms. And therefore, to quote Audre Lorde one last time, the erotic is ultimately the one thing that can give us the energy to pursue genuine change within our world, rather than merely settling for a shift of characters 
in the same weary drama. God, if you're listening, remind me that through PMS, everything is going to be okay. And God, if you're listening, remind me to remain a free ass motherfucker! Thank you for joining Extra Extra on this listening experience. It's been a pleasure to have welcomed you on a journey through this episode of The Protagonist of the Erotic. Please visit us at extraextramagazine.com where you can hear more about our auditory programme and discover further editorial content exploring the intertwinement of sensuality and the city. Thank you.